Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community practicing the way of Jesus and thirsting for the life he gives. Good morning, Church at the Well. We are going to be continuing our series in Advent. Um, Advent is not always something I get excited about. I'm a little bit, like a little bit of an Advent Grinch, like my heart is just like four sizes too small. Kind of like leading up to Advent, I'm like, oh, we have to plan another sermon series on the same, the same story as last year and the year before that, and then the year before that, and then the year before that. And then we get like Abby's like Advent reader that she um, makes for our church. And then the meditations, how many of you have been listening to those? I listened to the first one. I was actually on, on an airplane. It was like so good. I listened to it twice. And it was like my heart was growing, you know, like the Grinch at the end of the movie or the book, right? <laughs> I like the Grinch is always like Jim Carrey to me, but like my heart's growing and like with the Advent reader and with like the meditations. So um, I'm ready. I'm a few weeks in. I'm ready. Um, it looks like our wreath isn't ready yet. Do you guys mind if I just like light the candles? It's, it's broke. Okay. Just for you guys to imagine, this candle is lit, and this one's also lit. We're waiting for this one to be lit. But just as a reminder um, of what Advent is, and I was kind of writing what Advent is, and then I was reflecting on Abby's week one sermon, and I was like, I'm just going to give you guys Abby's definition of Advent because it's really great. Always a good call to quote Abby, but Abby said this in week one when she was letting us know what Advent is. Advent is the season leading up to Christmas, starting with the fourth Sunday before Christmas. And it is when we remember the long waiting for a Messiah. It's when we re-inhabit the hope of the Old Testament prophecies that a servant king from the line of Jesse would bring righteousness and peace, overcoming the darkness with light which is why we progressively light the candles, in theory, on our way to Christmas Sunday. It's also when we intentionally inhabit our own waiting in our own time for the return of Christ and the redemption of all things. Amen. And so this is what we're going to continue doing this morning, and we're going to be looking at another song. And so we've looked at a few songs in the Gospel of Luke. This morning, we're going to be looking at Zechariah's song in uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 80. So if you want to like kind of hold your place there. But first, we're going to look at the story that kind of like leads to that song. So that's like a little bit of a teaser. That's where we're going. If you want to read the song right now, I have no problem with that. But we're going to be getting to that in a moment. But Zechariah's story is a story of waiting. And as we journey through this season of Advent together as a church family, um, it's a story that helps us, I think, in our own waiting, reflect on our own waiting, whatever waiting we might find ourselves in. So I would guess that if any of you are like me, you might be a little bit bad at waiting sometimes. So I'm going to let you know, and maybe you can kind of see if any of this resonates with you. I'm going to let you know Uh, some of the ways in which I'm bad at waiting, and maybe you can do like a heart survey on yourself while I do so, okay? Um, 
I'm always looking for ways to avoid waiting. So um, some examples. If I'm ever going to Montreal, I like, as I approach the border, I like look at the lines and I try to guess which one is going to move faster. I'm like, there's five cars in this one. There's, this one's longer, but they have a trailer. So there's only four cars, so maybe I should go there, but maybe I shouldn't go there because maybe they're going to search the trailer. And it drives Luann crazy because then I am in always the wrong line. And Luann is like, just chill, okay? <laughs> We're going to get through eventually. So uh, that, that's another, another one. Uh, when I'm driving down Williston Road on my way home from Burlington to Williston, I like to map out in my mind like which lane to be in, you know? And so if you know, like before you get to Dorset, you want to be in the left lane because everyone's trying to get on to like the U-Mall or they're trying to get onto 89 in the right lane. But if you stay in the left lane for another block, there's a left-hand turn and people are going to Starbucks there, right? So you got to get into the right lane before but then right before you get the Alice French fries, sometimes people slow down. So that's kind of like you have to make a game time decision there because it kind of depends on what's happening at the light because there's a left arrow there. But if the left arrow has passed, maybe someone's turning left. So maybe it's better to wait for someone who's turning right into Owls. Then you've got to get back into the left right before price shoppers. How many of you are this? Okay, wow. Okay. Do you have any uh, like recommended like therapists that you might recommend <laughs> that you've been seeing? Because I think I need to talk to someone about this situation. Um, when I'm going through TSA at the airport and there's like a choice, I'm like, is that person like how slowly are they taking off their shoes? Do they look like do they look like someone who's ready to take their laptop out, or they're going to be have to ask to take their laptop out? I have pre-check, so I was in the pre-check line in Burlington the other day, and this is how like easy security is at Burlington. The pre-check line had more people in it, and so I walked around, and I went through the regular line with pre-check. So I was like, I'm not, I'm not waiting. So yes, I do, I do need to talk to someone. But what Advent does is it reminds us that God wants to use the process of waiting to form us, and to shape us. Um, I'm going to quote Abby again. It's always a good call because when Abby preached a couple weeks ago, she said that there are two approaches to waiting. She said, we can be stewards of our waiting or we can be distracted in our waiting, spend all of our time thinking about the waiting, right? Now, a lot of us are dealing with things and a form of waiting that are much more difficult than sitting in traffic or TSA or in a line at the border, right? We're waiting uh, for a resolution in like a heart-wrenching relational situation, right? Or perhaps we're waiting for our body or the body of a loved one to experience healing. I, I, I just had a conversation with someone who said this, and they said they, they were just talking to me in conversation. They're like, I'm just waiting to feel like myself again. Like they're on a journey of healing and they're just waiting to feel like themselves again. Um, waiting to discover meaning or purpose, perhaps 
in our vocation, or perhaps we're waiting to find some sort of solace in something that we're grieving, right? So a lot of us are carrying much weightier form of waiting than the traffic kind of waiting. And I think Advent teaches us to be stewards in our waiting, or as Abby said, to be active in our waiting. Now, Zachariah's story in the Advent narrative, I think, gives us some tools and some encouragement as we kind of engage our own waiting as we sit here. And that's the beautiful thing about Advent is we're invited into the story. So we're, before we get to the song, let's look at uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. We have a slide for that here. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Let's pause there on that verse for a moment. Another way you could put these couple verses here is Zechariah and Elizabeth were good people. They were following God. They loved God. They were doing all of the right things. And so, therefore, God's blessing should be upon them, right? Verse 7. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Now, one might think that for an upstanding individual or a couple, that your lives would go as one would expect, right? That good things would happen to good people, and that those who are faithful love, love God, they're following God, that God's blessing would come upon them. Now, in this day, to be blessed by God, right, was to be blessed with a family, right, that you would have, um, that you would have offspring, right? One of the ways in which God's blessing was kind of seen as being upon you was if you had a family. Now, in this, in this context, that, that would have been the case. And yet, faithful Zachariah and Elizabeth have found themselves without a family, without a child, and, it's an, it's an old, and they're at an old age. And so what do we know by that? They're well acquainted with waiting, right? Uh, I can only imagine like the roller coaster that they experience as individuals, but also as in their relationship with each other and also in their relationship with God. Just think about this for a moment because this wasn't a moment of waiting for them. This wasn't at Al's French fries, right? Waiting for a car to turn. No, this, this wasn't even a season of waiting. This was a lifetime of waiting for them. And it's important to ask, how did they wait? How did they steward their waiting? Let's continue reading. Verse 8. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. He got this special duty to burn the incense and to go into the temple. And when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are 
to call him John, speaking of John the Baptist. Now, we learn, and I highlighted it here so we can kind of all see, that based on this conversation that Zechariah has with this angel, this messenger from God, that one of the ways Zechariah responded to waiting was in prayer. One of the ways in which he stewarded waiting in his life was through prayer. Now, this particular story, there's no spoiler alerts because we're going to get, we kind of already know the story, right? But this story of waiting for Elizabeth and Zechariah has a good ending. But it's not without agony and long-suffering. And this is kind of, I think, the tricky thing when we talk about whatever waiting we find ourselves in because here's the truth. We don't always get the thing that we might be waiting for. And if we do, we don't always get the thing that we're waiting for in the time that we expected or in the way that we hoped for. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Right. Um, but Ecclesiastes 3 also says this, that God makes everything beautiful in its time. That time is not always what we want or hope it to be, and it, and it might not always be realized on this side of eternity. It's kind of like a hard truth, but also a truth that can free us like to ask the question, how might I st steward this waiting in my life? Now, Zechariah and Elizabeth do something beautiful in their waiting. They pray. And I think it was a different type of prayer than like a, a, the transactional type that we sometimes pray. Like, God, help traffic move faster, right? Help me find a parking spot, right? Help this line in TSA move faster. Help this lady move her backpack along the thing more quickly, please, Lord. After all the years of waiting frustration, disappointment, and doubt. After all of it, they prayed. They prayed. What an incredible way to be stewards in our waiting by praying, by taking our frustrations, our doubts, our heartaches, our disappointment to God. Uh, we often have um, a team of people here on Sundays who will pray with you if you have found yourself in a season of waiting. And so um, what, what a beautiful thing to do when we find ourselves in waiting. Now, um, the worst, some of the worst moments in my life, if I think of seasons where I've found myself gripped by anxiety, fear, frustration, doubt with God, I can, al I can almost always correlate them to something that I am waiting for in some way. There's some sort of longing some sort of waiting that's happening in my life. Um, at, at times, this is waiting for some sort of resolution, right? Um, I went through a season of waiting. Uh, Luann and I, we went through a very long season of waiting while we were caring for our daughter, Anaya. We were waiting for the process of her adoption to come through, right? Some of you have heard that a more lengthy version of story, but I can tell you what, it was the most heart-wrenching um, season of my life where I was experiencing, probably for the first time, intense anxiety 
Um, and I, I don't consider myself a particularly anxious person. Um, but I learned in that season, um, in that waiting, um, a, a kind of a different type of praying, right? Like a way of like, wow, that was in me and I didn't know that that type of fear or that type of anxiety or that type of stress could exist within my soul or my heart, right? Um, and it, so it provided me an opportunity to discover a new way of praying. And so it can be heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching stuff, but um, I think a beautiful way to, to respond to seasons of waiting in our own lives is to follow the, the way of Zechariah and Elizabeth and to steward it by praying. Um, and so uh, there, that's one tool, I think, that this story gives us. Now, let's keep reading. Verse 14. This is the angel's message continuing to Zechariah. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is, he doesn't say she's old, right? Good man. She's well along in years. It's poetic, very poetic. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of your God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Now, the beautiful thing about Advent, which we see in this story, is as we ask that question, how are we stewarding waiting and seasons of waiting in our lives, is it's not just about how faithful we are in our waiting. Because we see that Zechariah and Elizabeth, that they, they were faithful in their waiting, right? They prayed, but they're not perfect in their waiting. They don't wait perfectly. Zechariah doesn't believe it. It's like too good to be true. God's messenger says this, you didn't believe my words, but they will come true at their appointed time. Rich Fiotas says this, Advent reminds us that we are often not faithful in our waiting, but God is faithful in his coming. That's the hopeful message of Advent, that we aren't always faithful in our waiting, but that God is faithful in his coming. That is an encouraging word to us. So whatever waiting we find ourselves in or will find ourselves in, that it's not about our faithfulness. It's God's faithfulness. Um, can I get an amen? Amen. Uh, a moment ago, we also read this. We read that Zechariah was struck, struck with silence. Um, I listened to a sermon where uh, Rich Velotas was preaching on this, and he said that he got angelic laryngitis, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, so he struck with silence following this interaction. Now, the first time we read that, I'd guess that we would conclude punishment, right? But I also wonder if his silence was in many ways a blessing in disguise. If you're anything like me, 
months of silence sounds agonizing. Even if you're the type of person, person who is like kind of cool with silence, like uh, I work in like hospitality industry and what's pretty common is like if you're closing down like a cafe or a restaurant or you're finishing work and no one else is there, you turn the music like all the way up, right? Because you're jamming, you got to get it done. I'm like kind of the weird type. I like to do that all in silence. So I don't know. I might need to talk to someone about that as well. But, <laughs> but like even if you're the type of person who like relishes silence, I'm sure that months of silence would be incredibly difficult for you as well. Uh, an author, Ruth Haley Barton, writes this. We are starved for quiet to hear the sound of sheer silence that is the presence of God himself. And I actually think that this is likely what Zechariah got to experience in his silence, the very presence of God. I'm sure it was challenging, uncomfortable, but also life-giving. Um, every Thanksgiving, my family and I, we traveled to Messina, New York, to be with family for the holiday. And there's always this thing that happens that kind of drives me crazy. The family always turns on the TV with like the volume on, like it's always on. And rarely is anyone ever watching it. But that's just like, I think, um, emblematic of all of our lives, really, right? Like silence we are really, we get really uneasy with silence. Even if I were to be here and like stop talking for like 10 seconds, you guys would be like, please say something right now, right? And I often go and I'll like just like, no one's watching, I'll just like turn it off. Like 30 seconds later, I'm like, someone's turned it on. It's like the battle, you know, like the thermostat battle, right? But with the background noise of the TV, like our lives exist often with many types of background noise, whatever you might call it, the background TV noise or um, you, like constant like refrigerator buzz, right, in the background. And the invitation of Advent is actually in some ways to begin to cultivate the practice of silence in our lives. Now, probably many of us in this room won't experience an extended season where we go months we're, we're experiencing silence, but as Ruth Haley Barton writes, we are starved for quiet. And I wonder if we were to incorporate the practice of silence in our lives more often that we would experience more tangibly the, sh the sheer presence of God. Now, you can start this in small ways, right? Three... 15 minutes, three to five days a week. Find a practice, a prayer practice, maybe a Lectio Divina or an examine or some sort of practice that incorporates silence into it or just silence on its own um, or maybe turning off the radio in the car when you're driving to work. Try that. Um, I know some of you are like getting anxious already <laughs> in your seats hearing about that. Uh, but working towards a semi-regular rhythm where we're able to spend time in silence and then maybe even working up to like an hour or two eventually. Not just because, not to be uncomfortable, but as a way of, um, it, of coming to an understanding of God's 
presence, God's presence, the sheer presence of God. Now, let's get the Zechariah's song, because this is Zechariah's story, right, in the waiting, in the Advent narrative. This leads to his song that I alluded to. So let's, let's pick up in verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they are going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. Everyone's like, what? You're not going to name him after Zechariah? And they said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. And maybe they're thinking at this point that she's just taking, like, the reins, right? Like, let's hear from the man in this story, right? The one, oh, he can't talk. Okay, so they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child, okay? He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, what? His name is John. Good man. Good man, Zechariah. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. And then Zechariah bursts out in song, okay? So we're going to just read this. Y'all ready for it? Okay. Zachariah's song. This is like, I don't know what kind of music. This is like a Noah Kahn song. There's a lot of lyrics. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us. Anyone want to sing this? No? Okay. In the house of his servant David. As he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant to the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him for all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness, in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the story ends with a, a conclusion in verse 80, which says, The child grew, speaking of John the Baptist, and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly in Israel. Now, Zachariah's song is like, just like bursts out, right? Just bursts out of him. How many of you have seen the, the TV show Schmigadoon? Sounds like a fake show. <laughs> Two people. <laughs> it's created by comedian Keegan-Michael Key. It's actually, I don't find it that of an interesting of a show, but the concept is the main characters are kind of trapped in a musical, right? And I think sometimes when I get to these songs, I'm like, oh my gosh, are we trapped in an Advent musical right now as a church? 
Sometimes I feel that way when I read these stories out of context. But this song is much more than just like a cheesy musical interlude in the narrative. The song is birthed out of real pain. It's born out of the waiting, right? Now, praise and celebration in this moment are the only way Zachariah is able to respond to what God has done. Now, it's stories like these that ground me personally when I reflect on like exuberant expressions of worship, right? You're looking around the room, you see someone clapping, you see someone raising their hand, you see someone dancing maybe. Not very often here in Vermont, right? But like my personal like kind of worship isn't often very expressive and typically our worship here at Church of the Well isn't typically very expressive either, right? Would you agree? Like it's not like we're going like the amps are turned up to 11, like it's pretty chill sometimes, right? Would you agree? Okay, okay. I would agree. I would think so, right? But I think that there's something beautiful, actually, about like expressive, emotional um, worship as an expression of praise, gratitude, and celebration. Because I think it could be really easy to be cynical when we see it, when we see someone worshiping in an, in an expressive manner that seems like, unne- you're like, why are you doing that? Uh, unnecessary, like, that's, you don't have to be like emotional like that. But... Maybe it wouldn't hurt a bit to just every once in a while, you know, if not for what God has done in our lives, maybe for what God is doing in their lives, celebrate and praise a bit more. Can I get an amen? Um, isn't that a more beautiful response than like crossing our arms and cynicism, right? Like wondering why, why is that person ruining my peaceful, quiet worship over, semi-liturgical worship over here, right? Because the, the fact of the matter is this, there's times when the pit has been so dark that when God's brought you out of it, there's nothing else that you can do except celebrate, praise, and it just kind of comes out, right? And so um, the type of like pit that you've been brought of, that like even like a Vermonter is finding themselves clapping. Okay, let's go. So, a few things from the story. Um, may we learn how to pray in our waiting, right? It's one of the things we see in their lives. Um, maybe what you would be walking away with today is learning to embrace the hope of Advent, that even though we're not perfect in our waiting, that you need to be reminded that God is faithful in his coming in whatever you are waiting for. And it might not happen in the way that you expect or in the time that you expect it or even on this side of eternity. But as Ecclesiastes says, right, God makes everything beautiful in its time. Right, Everything beautiful in its time. Um, maybe one of the things you need to hear today is uh, to be challenged as you learn the practice of silence, Right? Get a little uncomfortable. Turn the radio off. Um, Take the headphones off when you're mopping or sweeping or going for 
a run or a walk. Um, and then um, maybe we can clap every once in a while, right? If not for what God has done in our lives, for what God is doing in the lives of those around us, we can join in their celebration, right? Because maybe there's something we are waiting for, but maybe God has brought them out of a pit. Um, I'm going to invite the band up, and we are going to pray and sing, and um, there is absolutely zero pressure to worship charismatically <laughs> or to clap. But if you want to, there's actually zero shame in that as well. Let's pray. Um, God, we thank you for the story of Advent. We thank you that um, at times we look at wreaths and Christmas trees and we might get a little bit grinchy, but then when we look at the story and we see you meeting with people in real heartache and ache and we reflect on our own heartache and doubt and frustration and find ourselves in whatever waiting, big or small, we might find ourselves in, God, that we reflect on your faithfulness as the one who, who enters into our own story and brings hope. And so we hold on to the hope that Advent brings and we thank you that your spirit um, speaks in the silence and reminds us, God, that you are Emmanuel, God with us, the God who has entered our story and who brings light and salvation to all. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church of the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at www.wellchurchvt.com.